Joshua Bowen and Pearl. Welcome to the Improv London Podcast. Cool. So let's tell us all about. Let's make a team. Yes. What was your um, inspiration for that? What is it, and what can people expect if they come along? Wonderful. Uh, I started. Let's make a team as kind of way to bring uh, improvisers from all different backgrounds, so C3s, your hooplers, your FA, your... God, everywhere. There's so many improv places now in London. Um, but I only really knew people from the nursery, so I thought, let's do a one-off improv workshop to, find, to get lots of people, put them in the room, and hopefully make everyone see the best side of each other to the point where they think that I want to play with them. And I had a lot of, should we call them weird exercises? Let's say they were weird exercises. Yeah, go with weird. Yeah. Um, I kind of came up with a lot of different things, uh, stole some things from other things. I ran about, I screamed. It was a lot more performative than a lot of other workshops that I tend to go to. But the main thing about it was that you were caught up in, I like to think, this energy and I said the word love a lot during that class because it is, you literally, when you're on stage, you're in love with the other person in so many ways. Uh, so it kind of started out as this way of bringing together loads of different improvisers from different schools and ended up as a massive self-help class that some people <laughs> very much enjoyed and other people came out and went, that, that, was, that was interesting. <laughs> um, but I've, I've got some people who um, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we, it was a really big turnout which I was really happy with and then I've started like it's now a monthly thing so the next one will be on the third which I do believe is next Thursday so yes so tomorrow if people are listening on the day this comes out oh there's a there's a turnover period yeah well yeah every Wednesday it's when the episode comes out we don't oh, notice that no I'm, on, I'm just on SoundCloud so I just watch them on just watch yeah. <laughs> Every Wednesday. Uh, yeah. So yes, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. If there. you're listening on the day it's come out, but if you're listening in the future, that's yeah. Let's not let's not worry about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, so the next one will be um, all about offence and. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Donald Trump workshop. That's what I've named it, and the eve of the upcoming election. Uh, which does not affect our country in any way, yet for some reason we're all obsessed with it. It'll all be about uh, being offensive on stage and playing with people when you don't know what their limits are or why they came into improv. Because <laughs> sometimes people can walk up on stage and say something, not horrific, but they'll, they'll like put something out there just to see how you deal with it. Uh, which is in so many ways a dick move. So the real idea behind the workshop is disconnecting the actor from the character, which I'm happy to tell you will be done with sock puppets. Brilliant. So that's I, there was, I was trying to think of this easy way to have a metaphor between what's the actor doing, what's the character doing, and the easiest way to distinguish the two would be having a sock puppet on. So there's going to be sock puppets. So if you don't like puppetry, stop doing comedy altogether. Uh, but if you do come to the, the workshop, it'll be fun. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, I've been to the first two and I enjoyed them very much. Thank you. Uh, can I ask, what was it? What was it that I enjoyed? Yes. I enjoyed your enthusiasm. Thank you. I enjoyed 
the way in which, especially with the second session, you were able to ask what people wanted to learn and then you were able to offer exercises which were catered to those. Yeah. So it didn't feel that this was an off-the-peg lesson that you know you just rolled out every six months or something like that. So that's, yes, that's why I enjoyed it. Oh, uh, wonderful. Thank you. Um, if one more question, whether or not it's down to my lack of being prepared or very many other things, but we had a very small class the second time we did it and it was like perfect. Now we can, instead of doing some big kind of um, God is in the room kind of thing, we just worked on specifically what everyone wanted to work on, which is something in which uh, I pulled from a Jules Munns class where he had three people in the room and it's, it's still today one of my favourite workshops I've ever done. Uh, it was just this beautiful thing of, okay, what is it that you want to work on? Because I think that's one of the things I like to work on in classes is, what is it that you can go into a class with one teacher and come out and go, oh, that was fun. Or you can, some times people go and they have a class like the IO intensive or David Wazowski or uh, Susan Messing, any of the, like, the big teachers come over or even Slapdash that just happened. You have these classes and then when you play with the person who's been in the class next time, you see them as a completely different improviser. That's true. That they've got so much, and uh, not much more, but you see that they've completely changed and you think they've, they've only taken like a three hour workshop. How is it that someone's changed their entire, not, yeah, methodology and also approach? So that's kind of what I wanted to go towards is this, how can I get the most change into the shortest amount of time? And I'm not saying I'm the best improviser, but I'm saying that uh, I can um, influence people to have confidence on stage. And I think that's something that uh, some improvisers uh, can be very technically skilled, but still have anxiety when they perform on stage. I mean, even I randomly tackle it every now and again. But it's just nice having that, being able to yell at someone to the point where they have an epiphany in their face and you're like, yes, that was it, you, you saw it. Yeah, I mean, I never, I never thought you seemed unprepared during those workshops. It seemed that you had a Rolodex of like a million things we could do. And then someone would say, I need to work on this. And then we'd go, mm. and then we'd have the perfect exercise. I think that's one of the things that's really good about having really specialised, I mean, coaching or... Because I was basically a coaching class. It wasn't really like an improv class. It was more like a coaching thing. Was when someone says this is something that I want to work on and then you kind of get to ask them the question well what do you mean by that sticking point is that a sticking point because it's something that you just haven't done or is it there's something that's behind that sticking point like I play the same characters over and over again is that just because you don't trust yourself to play the characters that you see as outside your field of safety um, I mean, obviously, it's not going to go into names, but the person who specifically worked on this, there was this uh, idea that they couldn't possibly play, a, uh, they gave an example, a drag queen. They just, because they, they've never done it. They've never, like, they don't understand it. They don't, how could they play a drag queen? So we got them to play two scenes. One where they, went, they were playing themselves, and another where they were playing a drag queen. And what he quickly realised was that this assumption that he wasn't aware of... Um, the philosophies and uh, having a point of view 
as that character and not in kind of like a caricature way of like, oh, I'm a drug queen, ooh, la di da di da Because I think we very quickly snapped him out of that. <laughs> it was this thing of, okay, I'm doing this, I'm an entertainer, but also I want to make people happy. It was this finding the grounding way to bring him back to, not to make him uh, apply other points of view, but to realize that the only thing that was stopping him from starring in improv scene as uh, what he believed to be a character was is this idea that he thought they can do it. And it's, it's about, a lot of times in improv, it's about the patterns. Mm. When you see someone just do a, uh, when you play with someone a few times and you kind of see them play into the same scene, see them play into the same patterns. So specifically for that kind of coaching in class, which I love to do, uh, which we'll get onto a bit more later, it was, you have a distinct innate need to please the other person that's on stage. Mm. To find joy and, I mean, some people like improv is super serious or I don't know. But you kind of, the reason how I get off on stage is I kind of bring joy. And the way that I bring joy is almost by uh, playing out these patterns. So noticing that someone else has specific patterns, uh, especially in coaching, means that they can break out those and then move on something else. That sounds quite vague, but it tends to be how I end up thinking about it in class. Did that, did, sorry, can I just ask, did that make sense? Mm-hmm. I felt like it made sense. Made sense. But it's one of those things where you kind of have a super cryptic teacher, um, and then you kind of come out the other end again, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Um, actually, yeah, just, yeah. So that's, that's, if you want to come to Let's Make a Team, do that. Uh, I'm also going to try and launch a four-week class, which is specifically that kind of very small group, very specific things to work on, just scenes and just knocking out as many scenes and working on those pants. That's going to be launched hopefully in either Christmas or the new year, um, and it will be called You Versus the Gauntlet. So look out for that. Cool, cool. And you've got a degree in comedy, is yes. that what you said? A degree? Yes. What does that involve? Uh, so basically, when I first started, I started doing stand-up in about 2011, and then my big uh, epiphany was, because yeah, I was in this middle of, I was in Kent, but I was nowhere near any comedy clubs, I had to go to London every time I wanted to perform. So I decided to do a degree in comedy as this way of um, uh, getting better, and what I realised is that I'm an absolute theory nut. So I, I was absorbing all this knowledge and not getting at all better as a performer. So I would do like grand performances every now and again. And had this kind of uh, interesting thing where uh, I would knock out high, far, high firsts on my essays and my dissertation. And then when it came to actually acting, I was told during my first year of university I wasn't allowed to do accents by my lecturer. <laughs> Everyone else was like going through all the acting modules and that kind of thing and they were like learning about spines and all this other like drama schooly stuff. And I was literally, they were like, Josh, just, we haven't got enough time to work on you. <laughs> so just do, just keep doing what you're doing and yeah, we'll, we'll deal with it later. And they never did because like after those first few acting classes in my first year, I never took any more. I took comedic performance, which was yeah. clowning stuff, but I never took any more like straight acting <laughs> classes. Oh God. Yeah. 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 People who've like performed with me now are like, oh, that's why. 
They're going to like uh, perform me at Dr. Goose or any of the other uh, improv jams and see, oh, that's why he, okay, fair enough, that makes sense. So what do you do on, when you're on stage? When I'm on stage? When you're performing. When I'm performing, uh, I, this was the big thing for me was when I first started performing uh, stand-up, I kind of played into this idea of to what I thought stand-up should be. And you see this a lot with open mic comedians and that they play into areas that they feel safe or that they feel are funny. And as a result, you get a lot of like uh, comedians, like young or newer comedians talking about they're single and they can't get laid and da 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 da. It's almost like there's a like string of cliches that make up comedy. And it's the same with uh, improv, really. There's a lot of like uh, cliches that kind of come out initially when people start. So what I was trying to do was trying to find like a universal theory of comedy. So I, I read several books about uh, this. There's several, do you know much about comedy theory? No. Oh, great. So there's a few different theories. Uh, the main, most popular one at the moment is Benign Violation, which is done by this fellow called Peter McGraw, which I think is a bolder comedy studies thing. What they do basically is there's a Venn diagram. So for people listening, that you have to imagine there's a Venn diagram in front of you. And then on one side, there is a social violation. And then on the other side of the diagram, there is something which gives you distance or makes it benign. Right. So, um, as an example, um, there's the whole thing of like a friend hurts himself, but then a friend hurts himself by shooting himself in the mouth with a helium can and then has a really funny voice for the rest of his life. There's a kind of, you can see there's there's something to it. The fact that they have a funny voice, I know it's, it's just like weird semantics at the moment, but because there's a level of distance, um, it allows you to have this, uh, to enjoy it. I mean, there's a kind of schadenfreude element to it and wordplay kind of works into it. The main thing about it though is that it kind of works on this semantic level of something plus distance or what's the one comedy part comedy is tragedy plus yeah. time yes tragedy plus time is comedy yeah so you have that whole thing of um basically it's the context which something is placed into allows you to enjoy it and it's simple you've seen it with the various improv shows that you will see people who play and perform improvisation with completely different styles they'll tell completely different jokes. Sometimes you can get a laugh out of someone just by twitching your eyes. And the fact that that person twitched their eyes, the funniest thing you've ever <laughs> seen in their life. Like the fact that they uh, have this, uh, or that you see that they've been hurt really badly by the other person saying that they're leaving. It's like a really emotional thing. Or on the other side of the spectrum, someone, I'm going very specifically with the C3 that happened last Sunday, uh, Carlene grew a massive dick. And it was, it was delightful. <laughs> so the big thing that you kind of realise after spending too much time reading comedy theory is that there's like a massive sea of different theories. It's like a massive Venn diagram of all the different theories that every joke and every something that could be considered funny kind of falls somewhere into the dozens and dozens and dozens of different ideas of what can be considered funny. That Taste is kind of in this massive map of circles of context 
uh, I think that's a really important phrase, circles of context, that something could be horrifically funny in one position, in one environment, but then completely unfunny in another. So I tried to bring that on stage um, when I was at university and have this thing where professional comedians or people who are performing or like arts and philosophy students would come up to me after the show and say, that was brilliant. And then everyone else in the audience would look at me blankly for the rest of the set. Like for the entire performance, I'd be just stared at blankly like I wasn't doing anything right. And then people come up after me and go, oh, you did the thing? It was just, oh, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you kind of have to ask yourself, okay, is it that I'm kind of secluding myself by trying to be clever on stage? And that's another thing that uh, stand-ups have to like learn to, or they don't have to, but they can learn to distance themselves from, is this idea that I have to be clever on stage. And that's the whole disconnect between you as an actor on stage and then the character that you're performing, um, which is one of the things that we're doing in the Donald Trump thing, is this disconnect between the actor and the character. So you are allowed to be stupid, you're allowed to do all the things as an actor, but then in order to use that to um, heighten yourself. So when I first, bringing it all back around, Jesus Christ, I'm surprised anyone's listening, to you who are still listening, thank you. <laughs> I would... Uh, do a joke and then wonder why no one else worked out the punchline before I finished the joke and then give up. <laughs> so I found improv, which was like a nice workaround because it was effectively taking me away from that career process and just saying, right, park that, just be in a room with a person, just interact with someone, you'll, you'll find it. And then I started doing Comedy Spots Manchester with an incredible woman called Bron, uh, Brown Edge. If you're in Manchester, you should definitely look her up. She's incredibly good, incredibly, incredibly good teacher. Um, she's received the highest accolade that Comedy Sports can give out, which is like this master teacher certificate thing. So if you're in Manchester, check her out. I learned a lot from her. Um, yeah, so that was where I kind of started approaching comedy was I learned everything and then once you learn everything you realise how pointless it is to know everything so then I threw that out <laughs> and now I kind of had to start again from scratch on the improvisation side of things long and short of it um, if you're interested in comedy theory don't just don't <laughs> just don't it's a well it is a well that you go down and it is hard to get back out of without becoming the person who sits quietly at the improv show or the comedy show, analyzing the social, like why a dick joke is funny. It's like you, you, you play it, you play it so far, like away from where you're supposed to be. Let's go downstairs. Okay. We'll continue downstairs. Okay. We'll do some of the stuff in the lift. Okay. That's all right. Sure. <laughs> do you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I don't think we've finished yet, but I'm supposed to be downstairs, so let's go downstairs. Great. And then we can hopefully. We won't get too many people to write. So yes, so I'm on the door at the nursery tonight. So uh, it's now 6.30, so uh, I'm going to make my way to the door. But uh, we're going to carry on the interview in the lift and on the front door. And we're just going through the nursery door. <laughs> I'm going to turn the light out. <laughs> I think it's the other one, I no, no, we turn an extra one on. 
Great. Josh, a good man in this the storm. This is going to make it into the final, there. Yeah, it probably will, actually. Wonderful. Because, you know, this is where we get the gold. This is where you... This is where improv happens. Hello. Hi, uh, we're in a podcast. Has all the so popcorn gone? It's got, yeah. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I yeah, just, sorry. I just got a taste for it. I'm like a man-eating tiger. Anyway. <laughs> a man-eating tiger? Yeah, because once they've got a taste for human flesh, they never want to go back for anything else. Oh, is that it? Yeah, apparently so. And I had some popcorn last time I was here because it was left over from the sponsorship by Propercorn. Yes. And um, Propercorn like, ne- sponsoring this podcast? Or? Well, I tell you what, if they send me some podcasts, I'm more if than happy. If they send you some podcasts? Send me some podcasts. <laughs> or some popcorn. If they Ooh. send me a podcast, I'll send them some popcorn, and which well, would I'm, seem a bad way around to do it, really, wouldn't well, it? Welcome to the Propercorn podcast. <laughs> do they need... Um, yes, so uh, yeah, I, you know, I, did, I presumed it had all gone, but you know, just thought maybe they've got a secret stash. Anyway, uh, it would not. I think it's actually, um, yeah, it's inter- it's awesome that we're getting like popcorn sponsorship for improv festivals. I think that's that's insane in yes. my eyes. That's um, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk. Let's go back to talking about what makes. Uh, I'm interested in you as a, an improviser now. Yes. Um, and if someone steps on stage with you, be it a duck, duck, goose, or whatever, what can they expect? And then also, you've got various two problems that you're involved in. Look, here's Steve Rowe. Hello, is everyone Edgar? Jesus hello, Christ. hello, Bryn. You try and do a podcast, and then you get three people. You get Steve Rowe. Okay? <laughs> Steve Rowe's now pushing me to the floor and fighting his way towards the podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Steve, Steve. Oh, is this recording now? Yes. Steve, oh, Steve, put down. No. I've, got, no. <laughs> I've got the same microphone as you. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, probably the most boring thing to say in a podcast. Uh, Talk about the microphone that it's made. We're, from. we're both in the Zoom club. In the Zoom club, yeah. What are you editing on? Audacity? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Both in your Audacity club. <laughs> both in your Audacity club. <laughs> I'll be what to computer podcast, are you using? Actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. You. It's good. I listened to the first one you did. Oh, yeah. And there's quite a few now, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Hundreds. Yeah, yeah. You're the most popular. And now you're, you're in it. <laughs> now you're in it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, this doesn't count as your own episode, though, because you have to have your own episode. It's, uh, it's just going to be like the outtakes at the end. Kind of. No, well, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you see me do improv, I usually like tend to walk off stage and have like sit down in the audience and do stuff anyway. So, if anything, this just adds to the flavour of what I like to do on stage. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's three weeks. Actually, I can't hold up my own scenes without getting someone else involved. Like... Uh, I'm naturally expecting someone from C3 to just sweep the entire podcast at some point. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, you have, uh, uh, we're moving some stuff into the cool. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you so, know if there's a. Uh, no, there's a little bit of a. You're not going to yeah. edit that a bit out, are you? No, I'm probably going to leave that a bit, to be honest. not going to. I mean, I feel <laughs> Josh has been just the up. break. The break from improv form. Yeah. I've even written the wrong course. I've just written the wrong course. Though. Oh, it's okay. He's writing like a, the most unhelpful. And... <laughs> this is not, not correct. So you're on the second floor. Second floor, yeah. Right, because I'm on the door. Are you on the door? So. Oh, okay. You're on the second floor. Yeah, we got. So it's just we got a one-off thing happening. Yep. So all it is is like it's the normal beginners course. We're usually in King's Cross, but we had to change it to here for one night. Ah, right. Um, Which is the last night? The last night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I hope I haven't annoyed them too much, actually, because 
It's a bit of a cock up actually. Well, Kings Cross to here is like pretty straightforward. Though, so they don't know the library. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they've checked their email, because ah, they only oh. sorted it out this morning, I think, oh. or maybe last night. Do you think we can send like a bat signal? I don't know. On the top, the top of the building, it's like Hoopla, like into the okay. bat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very serious, like, thought <laughs> about it. Well, actually, we've probably got access oh, to the roof here, so it's yeah. not entirely a practical. You'd have to fashion the giant light. Can we project it onto the side of the shard or something? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I've definitely, it's definitely like, not a joke. I've definitely thought about this. Because yeah. <laughs> I was on um, top of, um, what's that hill that overlooks London? Parliament Hill? Uh, sure. Yes, that's right. Anyway, there's a part of the So fucking not that old, but yeah, of course it isn't. No, there's one, or is it on Hampstead Heath? Anyway, it's one of those ones. And I was sat there on a bench, and I was like thinking, like, oh, how can we get more people to improv? Yeah. So, are you sure you've got the right hill? Yeah. Okay, so I am now. Thanks to you guys. And then I thought, I was sat there, and I was like, oh, I wonder how you can get more people to improv shows because there's not many people coming. And then I was like, you can overlook London. And I thought, oh, you just need to. We just need to like have like a fucking like plane just yeah. dragging the name around. Oh, well, those, that, those <laughs> or like airships. Yeah, because yeah. you could easily market to like, the whole of London. Rather than have Goodyear, have fucking yeah. <laughs> you need to market the sky of London. That's what yeah. like that's missing advertising. Yeah. Does anyone own the sky of London? Or? I don't know exactly. Uh, we probably like the Duke of Westminster or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was everything else. <laughs> Well, well, I'm just reminding myself of the when they opened up the shard, they had the laser, uh, laser light display all down the Thames, and there was a picture because it was all done in up in green light. Yeah. Um, it'll look quite ominous and scary. And there's a photo of somebody holding up a sign that said "All Hail Sauron." That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was brilliant. Um, supposedly, the it was nicknamed the Eisen Shard. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Pretty clever name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Steve's. Um, he's a man with a post-it note. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not key. afraid to use it. Low key. <laughs> Low key. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He is. A, I, he's actually uh, as guardian. Uh, yeah. Yes. Who got yeah. you? What? I'm being a what? Guardian. <laughs> you have a post-it. Post I was just looking up. I was like, why have I got fucking one of these? Look. Look what we need. What do we need? Like, what? What do we need? Nursery head of the game. Oh, dude, I can get one. Oh, right. It's the um, nursery banner for those who are still. <laughs> Jesus Christ, are still listening Why to this? Why are you still listening oh, to this? No trafficking <laughs> banter to go. Oh, is this like the nursery? nursery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Holy. Holy. Oh, my gosh. I'm just swearing. It's being recorded, but. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been here before, the nursery. Like, it's, it's been in different places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, so this thing just follows you around wherever you go. So it could be like in the tube station. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, there's a dude who was here and then he wandered off. But there was definitely a dude who came here. Sorry? Oh, no, he'll come back. Oh, you looking for Uh. I don't. Um, no, it wasn't. It was just a guy who came and he said. I thought he went up in the lift. Oh, did he? I think so. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, I thought he came out again. Oh, he's got me. He's got me. Yeah. All right, yeah. See you later, guys. See you later. See you later.
It's still recording. It's still recording. <laughs> We're still recording the podcast. It's still recording. Our features Jules Munson. Oh, yeah. no. They're literally recording it right yeah, now. This is, the C3. this is the greatest hit. And you have to as well. Okay, we do have to say wise stuff. No, no, we haven't said anything wise uh, at all, so yeah, no, just completely. Cool. Just bullshit, that's my yeah. favourite kind of podcast. Well, yeah. You're allowed to do whatever you like. Bullshit, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Oh, uh, what happens when two people walk on stage? Yeah, so what, what can people expect when they walk on stage and you're the other person on the scene? Um... What I'm probably going to do is look at what you're doing and then do something based on that. Right. That's usually where I start. I tend not to come in with some big kind of like, I'm I'm the king of Sweden or some other... <laughs> I remember what you were told about accents. Uh, yes, I was... Uh, for the person who's also now in the audience for the podcast, I was told at university not to do accents ah. in my acting classes. Okay. Which is... Debilitated me in so many ways. Sure. Um, but what I really, yeah. Um, tell us about. Yes. Tell us about. You're in some two provs at the moment. Yes, I'm in two provs. So I'm doing one at the moment at Lady G, which is uh, called J Squared with Joe, uh, which is really interesting because we're going to do this kind of. Um, dare I say TJ and Dave thing which is super interesting because uh, I've very there's no one who can do TJ and Dave so what tends to happen is they kind of players come on stage with a set of rules I mean I we did a one-off one of these shows already and it turned out terribly which is super fun um, <laughs> but you kind of come on stage you go okay these are the rules of how you're supposed to play the scene and no one enjoys it because even the actors aren't enjoying it because everyone's literally just going like the, both the guys on stage are going Okay, so you have said this, now I must say this. These are the rules of improv. We must improvise in this way. And the point is, you become so obsessed with what the other character is doing, with in relation to your character, you forget that you're here supposed to delight the other person on stage. So, uh, a lot of what I do um, when it comes to That That Goose is I do what I will enjoy, and I also do what I think the other person will enjoy. Uh, that doesn't always lead to a super succinct thing like myself Liam Brennan and Liana recently won an improv five aside and it was beautifully discussed at the beginning like we're going to do a La Ronde okay which means we're going to do this scene to this scene to this scene to this scene then this will all come round and within like three minutes of being on stage we were just yelling and screaming at each other and <laughs> jumping off chairs and then when we did the second one uh, like I was sat in the audience and then some hecklers joined in on as part of the performance as well because it became weird because the guys who were on stage they were doing some weird it, it looked like a theatre piece I'm like oh okay so if it looks like a theatre piece then there must be an audience so uh, got into the audience then someone I basically realised that I was a heckler and people started telling me to shut up and it kind of turned into this big thing um, I try to do what delights me I think where my next big evolution as a performer is is having the dials to say okay where can you start enjoying yourself, but then also adjust the internal like mixing board of weight and um, form and that kind of thing. So you're not literally just the guy who's really good at one thing. I think something that's really fun is when people walk on or they tag out, not having any idea or having any like way to heighten or add to the scene. 
they just like they just really want to be a part of it <laughs> so they'll just like that's what my that's what my father said tag your father said that and it's like oh great we've got to start a new scene we've got to work out what's going on <laughs> but it's literally just the repeat of the last line so we uh, should have a big finish yeah uh, so song and dance routine yes yes uh, mime anything <laughs> anything physical object work um, is there anything you haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about um, I suppose I could plug let's make a team three is coming up um, I've recently received word that uh, some of the people who came to my workshop are now uh, have been asked and invited to join other teams wow. and they I've had thank yous because I tend to not add strings to the bow, but work on the bow itself. Nice. So um, if you're thinking that you're doing improv and you're quite technically skilled, but you're not really enjoying it or you're kind of getting yourself to in your head, come to the class. I will yell at you like an American soccer coach and hopefully it will lead to some evolution. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I made this. That's improv! <laughs> <laughs>